Good morning again, and don't be like first service. There's not enough communion wine in the world to make me dance, so it's not happening. Uh, I walked up too early. They were like, dance, and I was like, no, wrong person. So, uh, so we're so glad you guys are here today. Obviously, the weather's not been great, and it's still summer, so a lot of people are on vacation traveling. But we're glad you guys are here watching online. Uh, and so this next series, we're super excited about. The band did an amazing job. Next week, we're covering Metallica, so I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that, but it'll be a good week. And so uh, we're excited about this series. Also today, our new student minister is here, and so his name is Kyle Boyer. You'll see a video about him next week, but he came from Colorado. Uh, we got him moved in this week, and so he is back there right now. If you're a middle school or high school student, make sure and stop by and see him, and we're excited to have him on the team and what he's going to do going forward. So this series that we're doing, we're going to take a look at some songs, uh, some of the most famous songs that most of you guys have heard. A couple of them you may not have heard, but they're just my favorite songs. And so we're going to kind of take a look at them. And uh, it's not going to be one of these series where I'm going to be like, oh, Metallica is really about Jesus, because it's not. But <laughs> what it is going to be is we're going to take a look at these songs and look at the words and the meanings behind these songs and see, are these people asking questions that even we ask that can relate to the way we see ourselves, the way we see God, and understand the world that we are in. Now, I used to love to make mixtapes, and so I don't know if you guys have ever made a mixtape. Who's made a mixtape before? Everybody? Most of us? Okay. Did you ever make a mixtape for someone? Anybody? I made one for my wife who's standing in the back. I think it worked because we're married, and so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so uh, you used to make mixtapes. One of my favorite memories growing up, I don't know if you guys did this, so me and my buddies, we'd spend the night with each other, and we would go into our bedrooms, we'd play Nerf basketball, uh, something that kids won't understand, but we used to play Nerf basketball all the time. We'd lay out our cards of like who we are, like I'm Sean Kemp, and you're Charles Barkley, and all stuff. So we pretend like we're those people, but what we would do while we're playing Nerf basketball is we would get two radios, all right, and we would have one that has on a radio station, so DJX, WAMZ, that type of thing, and then we'd have another radio sitting right next to it, and we'd put a cassette tape in it. And whenever the song came on that we wanted, what we would do is we would turn it up, and then on the other one, we'd hit record, right? You ever do this? And you would make record these songs off the radio. The quality was terrible. It was horrible, but you would do it. Then later, uh, it improved a little bit because eventually they started making cassette tape radios that you could actually play the radio and actually record from the same device. So you would just have to, whenever your song came on, you would hit record, and all of a sudden now the song that you want, that your parents were too cheap to buy you the cassette of, you now had on a tape, and you put some tapes together, and then you have your mixtape, right? Then eventually the technology revolution began, and we got computers, and we got little disks that said AOL on them, and we'd put them in, and we would have internet, and it was dial-up. And if you remember dial-up, pretty slow. But the cool thing that happened is all these Russian websites started popping up, and you could go onto these things, and you could download music for free off of these sites. The problem was, because it's dial-up, it was very slow. So the first CD I ever downloaded, don't judge me, was Blink-182. And I, I can't say the name of the album, but some of you know it. So I downloaded Blink-182, then I downloaded Rage Against the Machine, and then I downloaded Jimi Hendrix followed by Bob Marley. Now, it was amazing. I got four CDs of music for free. It only took 19 hours to get it all, all right? 
But I went back the next day to my buddy's house that had downloaded it for me, and I had these CDs for free. Then came the game changer. And the game changer for me was iTunes. And so what was great about iTunes is you could go onto iTunes. You didn't have to buy a whole album. You could just buy one song off of an album, and you could download it. Um, and at first, when iTunes first came out, the iPod wasn't really kind of a thing yet. But you could download music, and you could put it on disc. You could burn it onto a disc and make your own mixtape, okay? Um, and so <laughs> to show you, um, do you guys remember these things? Yeah. So this is actually one of my actual CD cases. I had about five of these in the back of my Nissan Altima with a 12-disc changer. And so I would take these CDs and I would burn these. Some of these are CDs that I bought. Um, but these, like, here's, here's Jay-Z, Volume 2. So if anybody wants that one. Uh, this is Frank Sinatra. I've got some Fugees. I've got all kinds of stuff in here. I actually do have Fleetwood Mac. In sync, I don't think that one's mine. And so, uh, you know, I would download all of this music for free a lot of times, and then I would put them in this, and then we'd put them into my trunk, put 12 of them in the 12 dish changer, and we have hours of entertainment. But then came the iPod. Right, And when the iPod first came out, the promise was 10,000 songs in your pocket. And so you could get this device. There was Zooms too, but they were stupid. And so you could get those. There was like five people that bought those. And so everybody else had iPods. So you could download music on your iPod. You get this adapter. It was a cassette tape, if you remember. You could put it in your cassette player. And then you could play directly through your car on that. Then came the real revolution. We had Spotify. Apple Music, YouTube Music, and now you can listen to any song for a cheap monthly price at any point in time, any song almost in history that you want to hear, any version of that song you want to hear, and it's yours. And kids today are spoiled brats because they will never, they will never know the sacrifices we made just to make one cassette or CD. But music is powerful, music changes lives, music can heal, and so this month long, we're going to take a look at some of the most famous songs and create our own mixtape here at Journey. So if you missed the opener, you missed out, you should have been in the room, come to church on time, uh, they covered Landslide, which is originally written by a lady named Stevie Nicks, who was part of Fleetwood Mac. Then in the 90s, one of my favorite bands got to cover it, I actually wish we'd done that version, the Smashing Pumpkins got to cover it, and then eventually... The, the, whatever they're called, the Chicks, Dixie Chicks, whatever they're called, and that's the version that you just heard. But Landslide is one of, these most, it's one of the most famous songs that's ever been written. I mean, when I was listening to it, and I listened all week long, I had a, a playlist on my um, iPhone where I was listening to the different versions. I listened to the Stevie Nicks and the Fleetwood Mike, or the, the Dixie Chicks and then the Smashing Pumpkins. And as I was breaking down the lyrics to this song, I mean, I could do a whole series just on this one song. There's so much depth in this song. I mean, it is a beautiful song in and of itself, but there's so many great questions that Stevie Nicks asks. Now, if you know the story behind this song, there's a lot of different rumors about why this song was written. Some people believe it was written about her father. Some people believe that it was written about some of the love interests in her life. But a few years ago, she did an interview, and she was talking about why she wrote this song. And essentially what, what happened was she was at a point in her career where Fleetwood Mac was just starting to kind of come together and starting to form. And there was some romance in the group, but there was also some um, problems in the group. And essentially she got to this point, she was trying to figure out what she was going to do next with her life because she didn't know if this music thing was going to work out. And so she literally went to a cabin out in the Rocky Mountains and she's sitting out there and she's watching the snow and she says it's, she's from California, it's the first time she's ever even seen snow. And here's what she says. She says, I'd gotten to the point in my life where I was like, I'm not happy. I'm tired. 
I don't know if we can do anything better than this. I don't know if anybody even likes this. And if that's the case, then what are we going to do? She said she was looking out at the Rocky Mountains, pondering the avalanche. She said she'd never seen an avalanche, but what she understood about an avalanche is when an avalanche starts, that it all comes down and it wipes out everything in its path. And her life at that time felt like an avalanche that had come crashing down on her. At that moment, my life truly felt like a landslide in many ways. The song is essentially about insecurity. It's about being unsettled. It's about that feeling we get in life that we all experience where we feel like something that was secure, all of a sudden we find out isn't as secure as we once thought. It's that feeling we get in life where all of a sudden the thing that we were standing on, the relationship we were standing on, the people we were standing on, the, the, the thing that we thought was holding us up, the thing that we thought we were working towards, all of a sudden it starts to crumble and fall away. And the question we have to ask is what next? Maybe it's like this, that you're bored or restless or longing for something more. Many of us feel unfulfilled, feeling like we've settled in life. We're haunted by this sense of being trapped in your own life. And is it possible that if we feel that restlessness or that unfulfillment or that unsettledness, is it possible that's the deep part of your soul speaking to you, telling you something is wrong, something is missing, and something needs to change? Now, there are people a lot wiser than me that have written about these things from theological and philosophical and scientific perspectives about why we go through things in life. Some of it will talk about why we have to go through the disruptions in life, the suffering in life, the question of why do bad things happen to good people. And there's been lots of work done in that area, and those are noble questions, but I don't want to address those questions. What I want to start with today is it happened may not have been fair, may not have been what you were hoping for, and we may never know why it happened, but let's just start with it happened. And now it's setting in your life, and it's unresolved, and it's setting there with all of its messy, loose-edged reality. So what's next? What are you going to do when it feels like the things that were once secure are no longer secure? So the question that I want to talk about today is, so what now? What now do we do? Now that this thing is in our life, and, and this thing is a disruption, and so what happens is when we go through life, everything seems to be going the way that we hoped sometimes, or we have this plan, or for some of us like me, we're control freaks, and we want to control everything, and so we got this plan of how everything is going to work out, and then the disruption happens. And maybe the disruption is the death of a loved one. Maybe the disruption is a diagnosis Maybe the disruption is all of a sudden you find out the people that you trusted aren't who you thought they were. Maybe the disruption is there's a failed relationship. Maybe the disruption is your marriage isn't what you thought it was. Maybe the disruption is all of a sudden you find out this is going on with your kids and it's brand new news to you. And all of a sudden everything stops and it's a disruption. And the moments that you just previously thought were secure and everything was the way it was supposed to be and the thing that you could stand on and the thing that you could depend on all of a sudden comes crashing down. 2020 was a disruption for all of us. I mean, it still is to some degree. I mean, when you think about all that we experienced, I mean, there's never been anything like this in, in the history of, of our lives. You have this global pandemic, 
You have this election that just seems to have everybody going at each other. You have all this racial unrest. You have all of these things. And what happened was all of a sudden now everybody's got these opinions about what should happen and what could happen because the sense of security that some of us felt all of a sudden starts to get pulled away. And there's things that are completely out of our control. And so what do we do? I mean, 2020 was hard on all of us. I mean, some of us lost loved ones. Some of us, all of a sudden, we had relationships because of the things going on in our country where we realized we just can't talk to that person about that, right? And it was tough. Can I be honest with you? I confess this the first service. As a church, it was really tough. I mean, going into 2020, and, and I hope you hear what I'm trying to say in this, but, you know, we were at this point where we were just cruising as a church. We were 10 years in. Everything was going well. We were running almost 1,000 people every single Sunday. I mean, this room was packed. Three services, talking about four services, talking about maybe we need to move from this building and go somewhere else. I mean, it was unreal. And then 2020 hit, and everything came to a screeching halt. And it was tough for us to figure out what the right thing to do is, what the wrong thing to do was. If I ask you to wear a mask, you're going to yell at me. If I don't ask you to wear a mask, you're going to yell at me. I got yelled at by everybody, right? It was just like, what do we even do here? But then the other thing was all of a sudden we just started losing people. We went from a church of about 1,000 people um, to a church of about 500 people. And it's not about numbers, but the question is, what just happened to 500 people? Like, what happened? And and, and then, as some of you guys know, we lost some staff over the last couple years. And it was like this disruption of what we thought was working, what we thought was going on, what we thought was happening. And all of a sudden, this disruption happens. And you know what happens when disruption happens? All of that sense of security starts to come away. And you start asking questions like, am I the person to lead this organization? We start asking questions, is there something wrong that I've done? And all of a sudden, these insecurities start to creep in because the disruption at what you thought you were standing on all of a sudden starts to fall away. I love the question Stevie Nicks asks in the song. She says, can I handle the seasons of my life? What a great question. Because what she's asking, and I think what the Bible even asks to some degree is, there's going to be these seasons of life where, listen, I'm not, I don't know why it happened. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but it, it just is. And are you prepared to handle it? I was listening to some sermons a week ago to kind of prepare for this, some of the great influences that I listen to and some of the voices that I listen to to influence the way I think about the world. And one of the speakers I was listening to, a pretty famous guy, but he was telling a story about that, that during COVID, he had been invited into a tragedy in a family. And if you do what I do for a living, what you have to know is I get invited into all kinds of tragedies and tough situations. And I get invited into hospital rooms that, I promise you, nobody wants to be in, but, but you go because it's part of it. And you, and you walk with people through really hard things and tough things. It's just part of it. But, but it, the speaker was talking about this one tragedy that you got brought into. And it was one of these tragedies that he said, like, if you knew the details, you'd stop listening to everything else because you couldn't get past the details of this tragedy of this family and losing their, their two sons in one day. And he said that he's talking to the dad back and forth kind of about like what happened. And and here's what he said in this email. He replied back. This is the dad. He says, it should come up. It doesn't matter what God does next because of what God didn't do. It doesn't matter what God does next because of what God didn't do. 
And the question is, have you ever felt that way? So seasons. What we know about seasons of life is this. There will be losses. There will be hard times. And the question is, what do you do in those? We, we said before multiple times, there's not a single person in this room right now that couldn't get a phone call that would completely change the way you see the world, the way you see your life, and the relationships you have. I mean, we are all capable of getting that phone call right now that would bring you to your knees. Now, don't be all doom and gloom. There's obviously seasons of peace and prosperity, seasons of rest, seasons where things seem to be going well. But what do you do in the seasons that are tough, in the seasons where it's happened? How do you respond? Now, I'm not going to be the idiot preacher that gets up here and says, you should be glad that you went through that. Don't you want to punch those people because you're just like, no, nobody is glad that they went through it. But, but here's the question I want to ask. Not that we're glad that you're in every season, but is it possible that you can learn from every season? Is it possible that you can actually grow from every season? Is it possible that for some of us, we can find peace and purpose even in the seasons of life that we would never sign up for? no matter what it brings. We are all experiencing change and transition in life, and sometimes life is exciting and dynamic and we feel on top of the world. And then sometimes we feel the way, as David said in Psalm 55, oh, that I was a bird and could just fly away. Just be done. Just be out of this. Now, we have to understand that there are seasons of life, and I do believe that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and for us as people, but it's a process. And sometimes it's a painful process. And the hard part about being human is that we cannot see the full scope of life. We cannot see the full scope of things that are happening. We are so short-sighted, but that is what it is to be human. And so what do we do with that? It happened. Whatever it is, it happened. So what's next? Well, for a couple of starters, here are some thoughts. If you feel stuck in life, if you feel like you're in a rut, okay, if you feel like there's something better that you're missing out on or you're envious, and, and here's the thing, just don't waste another minute of life comparing yourself to someone else's life because it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, one of the simple things that I've learned over the years is to kind of throw yourself into small things and like realize small things and just keep repeating it. So, so for maybe for some of you, the starting point is this, and we've talked about this before. The very starting point of kind of working through, okay, this happened, now what, is to go back to the simple thing. And the simple thing is this, and this can be said about you and it can be said about me, is that we have all received a gift. That gift given by God or the universe or whatever, the ultimate reality, whatever you choose to dabble in, but we believe that God, the creator of all things, that gift is life. You are breathing you just took a breath, and you're about to take another one. And that is life. And as long as you have a regular habit of doing that, you will continue to have life. And it's a gift. And whatever else has happened in your life, whether it's failure, pain, heartache, abuse, loss, and I'm not simplifying those things because they're real, the first thing that's true about you is that you've received a gift. And that's life. If you do what I do long enough, you'll meet people who have long lists of all the ways they've been slighted and reasons the universe has been unfair to them. And times they got the short end of the stick and were dealt a bad hand of cards. And it, yeah, I get it. It happens. And while we grieve and lament and express whatever it is that's brewing within us, 
Do you know that the best lesson to learn if you want to work with people is it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. What people feel is what people feel. It's what they're feeling. We can try to explain it away or tell them why they're wrong to feel that way, but it doesn't do any good because they're feeling that. But the first thing we have to start with is this. You have received a gift. A generous, extraordinary, mysterious gift. So start there and remind yourself as you breathe, even in the hard seasons, that this gift, this life, it's a gift. So once you start there and you get to a good place with that where you realize where you are and that this life is a gift, the second thing you can do is start to remind yourself of some truths when it comes to the hard seasons of life. The first one is this. No matter what season you're in, no season lasts forever. It's a season. The Bible talks about this idea of this too shall pass away. There are good seasons and there are bad seasons. And they don't last forever. And we know this is true because so many of us in this room, we went through really tough things in life and then we come out on the other side and we come out and maybe we would be honest and say we grew in it or we became better, or we became stronger, or we became more of who we're supposed to be. And so we go through this season and we say, okay, it didn't last forever, even though in the moment it feels like it's going to last forever. And we come out on the other side and we're good until the next season comes. And then all of a sudden we're just taken back to square number one. So the first thing we have to remind ourselves of is that seasons don't last forever. The second thing we have to remind ourselves of is this. The change of seasons is normal. It's normal. Genesis 8 talks about this idea that as long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest and winter and summer and day and night. And it's like this reality that that things change. The, The world changes. Life changes. It evolves. It moves. It goes. It ebbs. It flows. And it it changes, and it's normal. I mean, as we know in the seasons that the weather changes. I mean, in Kentucky, right, we get all four seasons in one week sometimes, right? And you just know if you don't like this weather, just wait two days. It's going to be completely different. It changes, and it's normal. And here's why I tell you that. Because some of us in this room have believed the lie that the reason that we're going through what we're going through is because of something we've done. And we would never say that, but we feel that, don't we? That the reason I'm going through the season or the reason my loved one's going through the season is because of a choice that I made or something that I've done. And this is the result of it. As if God that we believe in is like Zeus ready to strike us down with his thunderbolts or lightning bolts, right? This thing is a thunderbolt. Well, it is on an Apple computer, but never mind. All right, so here's the thing. Seasons and the change of seasons is normal And I hate to tell you this, and you're not going to like it, but sometimes it just happens. Stuff happens. There's another way to say it, but I like my job. And so (laughs) it just happens sometimes. Do you know one of the last things that Jesus tells us before he leaves the earth? He says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not a suggestion. It's a guarantee. The third thing that I see people do when they find themselves in these places, and this is one of the hardest ones to break out of if you're here, is you should never let a season define who you are. You you should never let where you are right now in this season define who you have been and who you are becoming overall. 
You cannot abandon everything that makes you, you, just because you're going through something tough. People, people often, they make the bad decision that in a tough season, it becomes their identity. It becomes all they can think about. It becomes all they can talk about. It can become all consuming in their life. Identity is the engine that drives relationship. It's the way that we drives how we view about ourselves, how we view about the people around us, and how we view the world around us. And sometimes it's the way that we view God. One of the things that I've learned over the years is if your identity is broken, and, and you, you can ignore everything else I say, but if your identity is broken, your relationships will be broken, your trust of others will be broken, and in some cases, your life may be broken. And so you can't let what you're going through be the thing that identifies who you are and who you're becoming. One of the truths that's really hard to understand, because when we're going through it, nobody wants to hear this, and I know you don't want to hear it right now, is character is often developed in the pits and the prisons and the deep valleys of life. You know, one of the things that, that I think that we struggle with is we always want to know why, and sometimes there's just not a why. It sucked. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened to anybody else. I wish they hadn't done that. I wish they hadn't said that. I wish they were still here with us. But how long are you going to stay there? How long are you going to let what happened to you define you? And here's the one that nobody likes to hear. How long are you going to let them have control over you. Life is too short and it's too valuable and there's too much more to it and there's too much more to you than to let it define you. The fourth thing we can learn is to keep the right season in our heart no matter what's happening outside. There's this great quote I love. It says, it's only the water that's on the inside of the boat that causes danger, not the water on the outside. It's what you've allowed to come into your heart. I could tell you stories of people in this room that have gone through unthinkable things. Things that, that many of us, if we heard the details, we don't know what we would do. And I've seen these people because of their hearts were prepared and they were holding firm to the hope that they have, they have made it through things that would devastate most of us in this room with grace and peace. Our heart condition greatly influences the course and the situations of our life. One of the great questions we see over and over again in the scriptures is this reminder of how's your heart? Where's your heart? We can't control what happens around us as much as I've tried. I have, but we can't. But we do have a degree of control of what happens inside, if you're willing. I can't control how people treat you. I can't control what people do to you. But you can control how you respond to what they do. And that starts in your heart. There's this great quote I love from Rob Bell. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. He says this, Decide in advance that you will do whatever it takes to get your heart right. Then do it. 
even if it kills all previous versions of yourself. You need to ask yourself what makes your heart beat in ways that make you stronger, more courageous, more giving, more loving, and more ready to handle the seasons of life that will come. You got to learn to find purpose as you go through it. Not always the purpose for it. Sometimes that doesn't even matter. And sometimes on this side of life, we'll never understand the purpose for it, but purpose in it. I love this quote. It's going to be a really long quote. It comes from Bob Goff's new book called Undistracted. And and, and I love Bob Goff. And and this book, when I read it, I read it all in two days. I couldn't put it down. But here's what he says. So follow along. It's kind of a long quote. He says this. People who live with purpose are willing to be sewn back together. They're willing to admit they're separated in the first place, which most of us don't. And they're willing to have some safe friends get involved to help put them back together. Come home to yourself. Get reacquainted with your true self, which is the you everyone sees plus the shadow they don't. Give yourself a pep talk about how it's okay to be exactly who you are. The people I enjoy the most aren't looking to me for validation. They have already arrived there for themselves knowing they are not perfect, but that God loves them anyway. They recognize that life is trying to put them in a prison cell of head fakes and faulty expectations. It's refreshing to be around them. And if this is the kind of person you're becoming, lay out the red carpet and invite these people into your life. Decide to ditch the insecurity and replace it with God's brand of acceptance. You should try it. Nothing feels quite so good as tossing off toxic expectations and the distractions of unhealthy peers, workmates, and family, and the world around you as you settle into the joy of simply being you. Because life is a gift. Now, there's another great question that arises from the song. It's one of my favorite lines in the song, and it says this. It says, I've been afraid of, of changing. And here's the thing. We all hate change. Right? Some people have already complained that we changed the communion. Just stop. I don't care. Just stop it. All right? Like, change happens. We, we, it is. Like, change is a part of life. And if you get stuck in this rut that nothing can change, it always has to be the same, and always has to be the way that it is, man, you are going to be a miserable person. I'm telling you. Because change is part of it. And here's what she says when she writes the song. She says, I've been afraid of changing because I've built my life around you. And I love this because here's the thing that I'm working through in me. What is the actual foundation of your life? What is the thing that when everything else gets stripped away is the thing that's still holding you up? I'll go ahead and tell you this about Jesus and my relationship. Um, I don't always understand what he's doing. I really don't. But I also know he's never let me down. There's this great story that Jesus gives us, and we've reduced it to a kid's story that we used to put on flannel graph when I was a kid. But when we reduce Jesus' teaching to kid's stories, and we should teach our kids what Jesus says, but when we reduce his teachings to kid's stories, we're doing them a disservice because this is one of the most brilliant teachings, and this is exactly the thing that Stevie Nicks is writing about in her song thousands of years later as she's contemplating and wrestling with the hard things and the unsettledness of life and feeling like an avalanche is coming down on everything that she thought was secure. Here's how he starts the story. He says there were these two guys and, and these two guys decided they want to build houses. And, and there's this one guy that he decides he's going to build his, his, his house, essentially his life on the sand. Now, why does he build his life on the sand? Because it's quicker and it's easier. 
And that's what most of us want, isn't it? Quick and easy. The problem that we find out, especially, and I'm not a builder, believe me, I'm building the deck and Rick is helping me back there and he's probably ready to be done with it. But because uh, but I, 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 I don't understand how to build things. But, but one of the things is if you don't start with a good foundation, then it's unsettled and it shifts. It's quicker and easier not to start with a good foundation, right? Because you can just get into it. So he says, this, this first guy, he, he built this house on the sand, and, and so it's quicker, it's easier, but it's also unsettled, and, and it shifts. And then the wise man, he comes and he builds his house upon the rock. Now, in order to build his house upon the rock, it, it's time-consuming, and it's hard, right? You ever dug a hole? I've dug like nine of them in the last couple of weeks. It's hard, right? I'm not cut out for manual labor, I found out. And uh, <laughs> it's hard, but, like, but it's, it's important. It's important to start with a good, strong foundation that doesn't, it's not unsettled, and it won't shift. Because the next part of the story is then the storm, storm came. And here's what I love about the story. Jesus doesn't say if the storm comes, it's when it comes. It's not if the disruption happens, it's when it happens. It's not if bad things happen, it's when they happen. So it happened. It happened to you, and it happened to me. And so was your foundation strong enough to hold you up? Or like so many others, did it come crashing down? Because they chose quick and easy. Here's what I want for you and I want for me. It happened. It was a disruption. It may not have been fair and we may never know why, but it happened. It's a season of life. So what next? I want to leave you with three verses. These are three of my favorite verses in the Bible. And uh, I love them. And so the first one comes in Philippians chapter four, verse six. And it says this. And the peace of God, <clears throat> which surpasses all understanding. And I don't like this verse. Can I tell you why? Because I think I understand everything. If you know me, you probably know that. Um, it's a little annoying. I get it. Um, but there's just some things I just, I don't, under, I, listen, there are things that will happen to you that I just don't understand. And there are things that will happen to me, this side of life, I, I may never understand. But the promise is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. What did he guard? Your heart and your mind. Where your sense of value and worth and identity come from. Then later, Paul writes in Colossians 3, <clears throat> he says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, when he says rule here, the word that he uses, it's not talking about, it's like the suggestion, like, oh, you should let it rule in your hearts. No, it's like commanding. Like, if you want peace, you can't just like kind of have this, like it has to be the thing. Let it rule in your heart to indeed what you were called in one body and be thankful because life is a gift. And here's the last one. And if I could meet Stevie Nicks when she was writing this song, I would have told her this verse. She probably wouldn't have liked it, but that's okay. And I may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way.
the Lord of peace himself. When the distraction comes up, when the season comes up, when the hard thing comes up, may he give you peace at all times in every way. Let's pray.